Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of the Inkwell Gamers podcast. Today, we're going to have a fun episode. We're going to be talking about the two events that we partook in the last two weekends, as well as we're going to go over the Miami TCG Orkana tournament that also happened this past week, and we're going to talk about the decks, the results of that, as well as our own experiences in the tournament scene as well. Are you ready for this, Dana? Yeah, I'm really excited. All right, so let's get right into it. So our first tournament, two weekends ago, mm-hmm. Dana, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so it was at our kind of home base, LGS, if you will. I think there were close to 30 people, and there were people that came two hours away, three hours away. It was a pretty good crowd and a turnout for it, but it was a 1K. I didn't do as well as I thought. You know what? I came in with low expectations to try to temper. This was your first tournament. It was. So I was really nervous. Mm-hmm. And it, it was my first tournament where I was going in to play a game that I prepared myself for. So technically not my first competitive outing. I had a brief history um trying to do magic with you Mm -hmm. and that did not go well i did a midnight pre-release of a set and then i did like a thursday night draft type of thing and i got my butt handed to me you won some games i won one (laughs) well (laughs) i won one honestly your expectation was probably zero i had no idea what i was doing i had no idea what the cards were and i I was honestly just going for a good time. I remember that deck. It was a red-blue deck. <laughs> See, I don't I remember. remember. <laughs> How do you remember that? I remember it very clearly, actually. Yeah. Okay. This being your first real TCG competitive event, mm-hmm. what were your expectations and how did it go? I knew going into it, I wasn't going to be the most experienced TCG player. I also knew that I at least was semi-confident that I put together a pretty competitive deck. Mm -hmm. I knew that it wasn't the two strongest in the meta currently, but it was a deck that I was really excited about. And I I had some confidence that it would perform well just because we experimented with it on Pixelborn, which I know we can get into as a whole other different ballgame. There's definitely a difference between playing on Pixelborn versus in person. But I knew I wasn't going to win it. So I, I I wasn't going in naive like that. I did hope that I would do better than what I ended up doing. Sure. But I think that, I don't know, I, I learned a lot and I at least wanted to win a game and I won a couple. Yeah, so. you, you won a whole match even. So I think what you said was really important. I think it's really key to play a deck that you're... That not only you think is good, but also you're pretty comfortable with when you go to these tournaments. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the deck that you brought. So I really love Emerald Amethyst, which we'll get into, I think, maybe for a future event. I might switch that up, but we could talk about that at the end. But Emerald Amethyst is... I like the way that the two inks interact with each other. So I felt like that best fit my play style. Going in, I'll just roll down my list really quick. I, d- I brought Olaf, Pascal, Cheshire, Jafar, Wicked Sorcerer, Maleficent, Genie, Rafiki, Peter Pan, Neverlanding, 
Flynn Rider, Meg, Cusco, John Silver, Jasper, Mad Hatter, Ursula, Tink, and Friends on the other side. It is slightly different than what I brought to League. I had added in the Jafar Wicked Sorcerer because I felt like I needed a body that could do fairly well challenging. Mm-hmm. So I needed something some... something to contest Tinkerbell and Stitch Rockstar and the such. Right. So I did bring that um, for that reason. And then my intention was to also use Meg with either like Olaf or Pascal in case I saw like Simba bodyguard with Lilo. Those could take care of Simba or Rafiki. So I like I felt like I went in with a game plan learning from League and adapting and kind of ready and I didn't see Simba bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did not see a whole lot of those throughout the the tournament. I think the number one seed was an amber deck, but mm-hmm. I don't. He didn't. He didn't use it against. I think we both played him. Mm-hmm. He didn't use it against me. Did he yeah. use it against you? Not that I saw. Yeah. No. So he must not have been going with that type of strategy per se. So yeah, kind of getting into. Do you want to? I don't know. Do you want to do your deck, or do you want me to just go through? My experience. Yeah, let's go through your experience. Uh, one thing I really want to touch on with your deck is that you brought Ursula's, which I know isn't super common in these decks, but tell us your thought process on that. Yeah, so that was an addition to my deck that was different than what I had in League also. I think you had taken her out of your deck and then let me ha- put her into mine. I felt like she was a really good addition She was a big body, and I liked that upon her entering the battlefield, she automatically took away lore, so similar to, like, Aladdin and Ruby. So I really liked that aspect of her, and, yeah, I don't know, she was fun to play with. I really, I had no regrets for adding her. Yeah, she's really good, I think, in your deck specifically. It works out really well because they have to answer all the five ink threats whether it's even the six ink threats whether it's Cusco, Mad Hatter, John Silver, Genie and then you just slam down Ursula who is also a three quester but also provides some card advantage in the late game it's not easy to banish while challenging so I, th- I think it's actually a pretty good card in, in that deck why don't you tell us how the the rounds played out yeah so first two right off the bat I dropped it in two so not a good start I ended up... That it, was the eventual number one seed. Yeah, that was the eventual number one seed going into top eight. So, you know what? It, it was fine. Um, I'll, I'll take that loss. But I felt like starting off I had a really good board presence. But then he double grabbed your swords me in one turn. So it got rid of my Cusco and two other characters I had. And then I had two Rafikis left in my hand the same turn. And I was like eyeing characters on his board that I was like, come my turn. Oh, I'm get, I'm just rushing right into those and boom, they're going to be off the board. The same turn as the double grab your swords, he had, he did, you have forgotten me. And the two Rafikis were the only two cards in my hand. Bye bye. Bye bye. So then after that, it was like game over. Like mm-hmm. that just, I had no recovery whatsoever. No board, no hand. No, that hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, you know what? It was it was fine. I feel like that was the beginning to me starting to realize throughout this whole process that I needed different threats. So we can, and we'll get into that. But then after that, I played a mirror match, but it wasn't necessarily the same play style as me. They 
went more like the reckless route. So they played Iago, The Beast is Mine, John Silver. So forcing me to not be able to quest with my high questing characters, which really sucked. And then I won that one in two games. So 2-0, and oh, which was nice. nice. I was very proud of myself. And then after that, I played a Steel Emerald deck and I lost in game three. So at least I won in, won in that one. And then after my Steel Emerald, I played a Ruby Sapphire and I lost in game three as well. But I was really proud of myself because three out of my four matches, I won at least one game within each of those matches. So I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not leaving going over. So I'm proud of myself for that. But the Ruby Sapphire deck, they had just bigger butts. Like they had Triton. I just, I didn't have any answers. I mm. couldn't, I didn't have any huge damage inflicting characters because my deck was built a lot around high questing characters and they just don't have the attack power that they have the big butts, but they don't have the attack power. So I just like didn't have answers to get things like that off the board. But yeah, I don't know. It was, it was good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I was really proud of you. It seemed like you were competitive in every match. And uh, for someone who has their first real TCG tournament, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I I was so nervous. I'm not going to lie. My first match, I was shaking so badly. I accidentally didn't give myself enough lore with questing, but my opponent was super nice and like corrected me and was like, hey. Mm -hmm. And then... My second match, I was a little bit less nervous, but still nervous. I was like fumbling with my cards. I went second and forgot to draw my card and like they reminded me. And then I think after that, my nerves kind of went away. And I actually went out of my comfort zone too. I was like really proud of myself. There were three other females there, which I was really excited about. I was so nervous I was going to be the only girl, but it was really cool to see that there were other females there too. And I don't know. When we were waiting for our next round, I saw that they were over at a table playing, but one of them was standing up and watching. So I just came over to them and I was like, hey, can I, do you mind if I watch? And they're like, oh yeah, no. And then I started talking to the one female who wasn't playing and I don't know, just kind of wanted to build into the community there, which I don't know what came over me. That's not me, but... Yeah, that was that was really cool. You definitely uh, were more outgoing than what I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about you, though. Yeah, so... What kind of deck? What kind of... How'd you do? All right, so I went 3-0-1 in the Swiss. So I had three wins, no losses, and the final round I drew into the top eight. Uh, I brought Ruby Amethyst, mm -hmm. just... Your standard control deck, I brought a heavy evasive package because if I, I kind of anticipated a decent amount of the mirror, I only played one mirror match. Mm -hmm. Spoiler, it went to time. But <laughs> Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. So I only played one mirror match, but I kind of expected the mirror to be more prevalent a little bit. So I brought a heavy evasive package just because I wanted to be really threat dense, just so those matches wouldn't go to time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let me go down my my list really quick. I had two Baby Elsas, two Mickey Mouse, four Maleficent, four Mickey Mouse BLT, two Goofies, two 
or three magic brooms, sorry, four Maleficent, three Rafikis, three Pongos, three Street Rat Aladdin, four Spirit of Winter, two The Queen, four Maui, four Aladdin, four Gaston, four Dragonfire, friends on the other side. I only brought two Be Prepareds, mainly because I just didn't want to cast that card like three or three times in a game mm -hmm. because I didn't want the mirrors to take so long, right? Like... I know it's really good in some matchups, and if we did play out the top eight, there's a chance that only playing two would have hurt my chances of winning the whole thing. But like I said, I just wanted to be more threat dense, so I would have that advantage in the mirrors. Mm -hmm. uh, then I played one Magic Mirror, one Pocket Watch, one Ursula's Holder, and one Shield of Virtue. So, besides only playing two Be Prepares, I did play a couple Elsa Snow Queens just because I really wanted to test out how shifting into Big Elsa was, how strong that was, and spoil alert, it is pretty good playing that card two turns ahead of schedule. Yeah. One of the changes I'd definitely make is I'd probably play one or two more White Rabbits pocket watches, and I'd probably cut the Aladdin Street Rats, and that that card just isn't isn't efficient enough. It's just it speaking to you. It does not speak to me. It's just the two two for three. Its body isn't relevant. It just does not do enough. As far as the rounds go, the first one I played against Amber Amethyst. They're playing like a Dr. Facilier Stitch Rockstar deck with all the Maleficent Biting Her Times, Lilo Making a Wishes. Just a really aggressive deck like that, except for he told me he didn't have all the Stitch Rockstars. So it was kind of a powered down deck a little bit. I played really well around his Dr. Facilier. I didn't let him make any favorable trades when that card was on the board. So I was able to win that one 2 nothing. The next match was a Ruby Sapphire Control matchup, and I feel like the Sapphire Control Mirrors usually favor the other control deck because their removal spells just give you ink in the form of Hades and let it go. So there just comes points where you don't have to ink any of your threats, and then they sometimes still have to ink some of their threats, and you're just ahead in ink, and you're ahead in card draw a lot of the time too, unless they're playing Amber Sapphire. Mm -hmm. So I won that one 2-0 relatively easily. Then I played against the Ruby Amethyst Mirror. I won the first game in probably 20 minutes. The second game went to time, so I ended up winning the match one nothing that was kind of frustrating because i felt like i was probably winning the game for the last 10 turns of the game like i <laughs> i just had way better board way more threats but it just what it is i i kind of expected them to concede um but he just really really wanted to play it out which is fine that's his uh ability to do so but if we were going to go to time, I was going to win anyway, so it seemed like the writing was on the wall. But, yeah, so I won 1-0, and then, yeah, I drew into top 8 in the last round against the deck that Dana lost in the first round, that same player, Amber Steel Song, mm -hmm. they were on, and then we just split top 8. I was a little disappointed in that because I... I really just wanted to play it out, but it didn't seem like anyone else did, really. Yeah, it was a Sunday night, and like I said, there were people that were coming from two hours away, three hours away, and I think it's hard for the local person to say, no, everybody has to stay, let's play it out. 
So I get it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we mentioned that the person that I played in the first round and then the person that also played you um, was the first seed going into top eight. But we didn't talk about where you were. You were second seed going into top eight. That's I, pretty good. I was. I was like two percentage points off. Honestly, it was probably the draw. It, it, it was it was the draw, yeah. Yeah. I, I probably would have been first seed if uh, if I didn't get the draw there, which is totally okay. Yeah. It's totally okay. It's fine. I thought I played pretty well. I thought I played the deck pretty fast. Did you learn anything? I learned that Aladdin's Street Rat is not very good, which I, <laughs> I already knew. Uh, there are definitely some changes I would make to the list. I had not played much of the Steel Amber Song deck, mm-hmm. and I just played a game in the last round against our opponent, and that seemed like a pretty hard matchup, but it's probably only because I also had two be prepared instead of four, so I couldn't punish their board going wide as much as most other versions of the deck can. I think if I play in a tournament going forward, I, I might bring some version of this deck. Again, another aggressively slanted version, just because I don't want the game to take a really long time. Right. But I think the power level is definitely there, and the game's going longer kind of gives you some room to outplay the opponent a little bit, which I like as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. But yeah, so split top eight, won a little bit of money, got a sweet little lower counter. Yeah. yeah. That was cool. I was upset I didn't get a pin, but yeah. you know, it's fine. Yeah, you, I think you guys like rolled for the <laughs> we, pins. We, we rolled for the pins and I did not roll high. Yeah. <laughs> so I low rolled. So getting into the next weekend, mm-hmm. we decided to go to another one. You, How about you start us off with that? What did you bring? How'd you do? I don't really want to talk about this one as much. <laughs> yeah, me neither, okay. Um, I didn't do near as well in this one. I went one, two, and one. I tied the first round. I brought Amber Ruby, a deck that I'd kind of been seeing showing up a little bit. The Mickey uh, D deck. Yeah, the, the Mickey D deck. I didn't really expect to play against uh, the Amber Mirrors. I played against two of them, and they had four Rapunzels in their deck. I only had two, so... Wah, wah. Didn't come in on time. It did, it did not come in on time. So the mirror matches were a little bit favored. There were probably some other things I could have done in the matches to make them go a little bit more my way, but... Mm, it you know you can't you can't always play around everything but there's in retrospect i could have made some better decisions uh yeah played the mirror the first round and we drew played against an amber mirror the second round they were amber sapphire i thought i was gonna be advantaged in this one because like i talked about sapphires removal spells kind of give you ink so you don't have to spend as much resources on building your inkwell and that's exactly how the first game played out they had to banish one of my threats with a let it go pretty early and then i won very easily but they just got out ahead on board a little too much in game two and three and they just cast more puzzles than i did more that led to more surfer stitches and it just kind of was a snowball effect in in those games mm-hmm why don't you go through that deck list? Oh, yeah, I definitely should do that, shouldn't I? And for you guys listening, we will be sure that all of these are posted on our Lorcania page. Even though, spoiler alert, I changed mine a little bit too from the previous tournament, we'll just make sure that all of them are on there in case you're curious to see it in a little bit more detail. 
Yeah, so my deck list had four LeFou Instigator, four Hades, three Goofies, four Surfer Stitch, You Have Forgotten Me, Be Our Guest, four Lanterns, two Be Prepareds again, four Dragon Fires, three Mickey Mouse Brave Little Tailors, four Mauis, two Rapunzels. I had four of the, the Happy Mickey, the one where he's waving. Mm-hmm. He was kind of underwhelming to be honest four maleficent monstrous dragon two stitch abominations four pongo and four aerial on human legs which i kind of want to try out just for the body and it's also a threat against the control decks because it can quest for two wasn't super impressed with with that one either i would definitely once i get them in Add a couple more Rapunzels, add Mr. Smee in over the three-cost Mickey, maybe play a couple more Dragon Fires. Yeah, and probably go up to four Goofies and, again, just try to be more threat-dense. Probably not play Instigator LeFou. That card never did anything good. So, <laughs> yeah, there there's definitely a lot of, a lot of changes that could be had in, in this deck, but, yeah. So I lost... The second round I won the third round you know I didn't I don't really remember what I played against it that one seemed like a blur I won fairly easily I remember that but oh no yeah it was a it was a sapphire emerald deck that I played against they just kept questing and questing and questing and I don't know, they just got they just didn't get enough value from their characters and end up running out of threats and I took advantage in the late game. The The last match was against Emerald Amethyst, and they beat me in game three. So it was it was close. They just, I was one turn away from casting Be Prepared, and instead of drawing an Inkable, I drew a Lantern, Sad Face. Happens. Yeah. Luck wasn't on my side for that draw. Yeah. Unlucky draw. Yeah, it's okay. They probably will win that game even if I did draw the ink just because they're so far ahead in lore anyway. But, you know, that, that's just part of the game. Yeah. Overall, this tournament was a little bit smaller. It was smaller. Little, little sad that little, it was smaller. <laughs> yeah, a little sad. I was really expecting a 30-person tournament. Again, I'm glad I did better than the 30-person tournament. But enough about me, Dana. Talk about your deck and how you did. Yeah, so since you ditched the Ruby Amethyst, I took your Elsas. <laughs> took my Elsas. So if there was one thing that I had learned from the previous tournament, it was that I just didn't have a way to deal with threats. You know, I, I had the Jafars in there, I had the Rafikis, and then I had Meg to either boost up my Rafikis or like the Olafs or the smaller guys, but... In all reality, that still wasn't enough, and I still felt like I, I needed a threat. And so taking over the Elsa from you, even though I wasn't necessarily removing them with her, I was exerting down characters that allowed me to quest freely or to challenge ones that maybe my opponent didn't want to challenge like didn't want to challenge me with or didn't want to exert for questing. And so I was able to force them and like get rid of it with a Rafiki or something like that. So mm-hmm. that was a great addition. Very good card. <laughs> yes. You suggested that for me to take over. So I appreciate it. I felt like I don't really like change. I'm starting to come around to it, but I felt like, all right, I didn't do too bad last weekend. I'm just going to keep my deck and just stay the course. But you really convinced me to add the Elsa. And especially since you weren't using it anymore, I didn't want you to feel like you had to give up the Ruby Amethyst in order to give me the Elsa, but since you were insisting that that's not what you, you didn't really want to play that mirror match again if you 
came across it. Like I was like, okay, I, I didn't feel as bad. I technically went two and two. You did. But. You're better than me. But it was really one and two with a draw. Doesn't matter. <laughs> still count it. Still count it. I dropped my first in two. It was a steel amber deck. Just really overwhelmed me with Rapunzel and Ariel. Then I lost in game three to a Ruby Amber. Then I won in three to a Sapphire Ruby. I felt like overall between the two tournaments, I can tell how I am growing and developing as a TCG player from when we just casually played Pokemon in, in our home. I actually, I can, thinking back on my entire journey, when we first started dating and I'm like, oh, you really like this game Magic, I'll try playing for you. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. It was really sweet though. I couldn't think ahead. I could only think in the moment on that turn. Mm -hmm. And it also was really annoying. I love it about you, but you know cards really well in Magic. And so, and of course you helped me build my decks so I could play against you. So I would like start turning my mana and you're like, oh, you're going to play the blah, blah, blah card. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so like, I just, I mean, I just was playing in the moment and I didn't really know what I was doing. Fast forward to playing Pokemon with you. It was an IP that I was more interested in, obviously, with like the video games and we were watching like the anime and everything. And so like I felt a little bit more emotionally connected, a little bit more invested, but I started noticing, of course it's an easier game than Magic, but I started noticing during that period of time where I was starting to think ahead of just that one turn in the moment. And that's nothing against Pokemon. Pokemon's a really hard game as well. Of course. It's just... Compared to Magic. Magic is insanely complicated rule-wise. Right, because you can you can do stuff on your opponent's turn and vice versa. So mm. it's just an added complexity to it. But yeah, during that period I started to notice myself thinking ahead of just in that moment, just thinking towards my next turn or what you might do or, or whatever. Now I'm really starting to notice the growth of myself where with Pokemon I didn't really understand. I mean, I wasn't really keeping up with what that meta was and we weren't necessarily playing popular decks like we were just playing decks that we felt like were fun to play with with pokemon that we want to play with or with the certain pokemon types that we wanted to but with this game i feel like i am so much more immersed in the meta or being aware of what it is to where i not only know how to play the cards in my deck to achieve my goal but I'm starting to recognize how to use my cards to prepare for the possible meta that I'm going to be seeing. Like what I talked about earlier, using Meg with my Olaf or Pascal if the Amber Steel deck puts down Bodyguard Simba with Lila. Like starting to recognize like, ooh, I could do that to, to mess with the Simba and live or whatever. So like I'm starting to find myself, I'm kind of proud that I'm starting to recognize that also, knowing that one of the other big decks of the meta is Ruby Amethyst, and obviously Be Prepared is devastating. <laughs> and so knowing, kind of going in with that game plan, like, okay, don't just overexert myself and put too much on the board. Too many of, like, my really impactful characters on the board, like my Genies, my Elsas, my Ursulas, like, don't stack that if I'm playing a Ruby deck because they could Be Prepared me. 
So I'm starting to recognize and like keep that in the back of my head. I did make a little bit of a mistake that second tournament. There was one game that although I had won that game, I still made it a little bit harder on myself because I did overexert slightly and to be prepared. But looking back on the two tournaments, I actually am really proud of myself because I recognize the fact that I wasn't putting too much on the board. And there were a lot of times that I had three or four of, I had like Cusco's, Genie's, Ursula's, Elsa's. Like I had multiples in my hand and enough ink to play them. I like held off for a turn and maybe I added like a little guy just to do like, just to add something, but still anticipate. And then they would be prepared me. And then mm-hmm. I'd be next turn. I'd be like, haha, I got another genie. That's <laughs> and, right. And then they might dragon fire me. And then I'm like, haha, I got an Ursula. Like there are a lot of times in which I was just playing back to back. And then they would either like they would get rid of it, even not even with that, but like with the Hades, putting it into my ink or let it go or whatever. Like, so I felt like I was doing a good job at only putting in a little bit at a time, not putting all my eggs in the basket. Right. You know, right. that's awesome. Um, yeah. So even though I did it one time, probably a little bit too much than what I needed. Like I'm really proud of myself that I'm starting to be a little bit more strategic and not just like, here are all of my cards, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, I am starting to also recognize that there are some games where I might have gotten burned with playing against a certain deck, like the Amber Steel with the Singer Ariel and the Rapunzel's. And then I, there was one time where there was like a Cerberus on the board too. It just like completely overwhelmed me and then I lost because my board presence wasn't there. But then fast forward to the future and I might be playing a similar game where they start to put those, they, they're starting to get them out a little bit and I start to panic and I'm like, not again. I will not allow this again to myself. And there was a game where I used two Rafikis to get rid of them thinking that it was a threat but not doing the math and just realizing that if I were to have just quested with them instead of challenging to get rid of their characters, I would have won. Yeah, if you have just waited a turn, not did anything, just played them to the board, mm-hmm. quested on your next turn. Yeah, but in the back of my head, it was like, well, I lost to this exact situation before. But of course, maybe like there was obviously a difference in lore from my situation before. And so I was in a slightly different situation. So just trying to learn from those experiences that I don't have to challenge or recognizing when powerful cards are a threat versus not a threat. Yeah. Sometimes they just need to answer your threats because you're at 19 lore, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I think the last thing that I learned too is that and actually, you you commented on this on the drive home, and I didn't think you saw it or noticed me doing it. And so I think that's what made me kind of sit back and think, oh, I did do that, is learning that I don't have to play characters on the first turn, depending on like the first hand that I might have. I feel like I'm getting better at my mulligans, but depending on what I get in my hand, like if I, if I get my Cusco and I get my like non-inkables that are a little bit higher and more powerful just like wreck it putting in the back of my brain like I don't have to play Olaf if I have Olaf because I could save it for ink so I could make sure that I get to my Ursula in time right and then then you made that comment about like yeah I noticed that you didn't play a character even the first two turns and then I was able to get to like my one of my three drops so I don't know just like I think I see a growth and development instead of just 
playing to my turn like I was doing with magic or maybe not seeing the big picture like I didn't when we played Pokemon. So I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. There's there's been a ton of growth and I'm really proud of you for that. Yeah. We joked about talking about maybe how I'm learning and growing and doing like a zero to hero segment because <laughs> I feel like I could just, even though I am nowhere close to being good or claiming myself to be a hero, but I'm still near the, the zero part of the zero to hero, but I would, I don't know, maybe we'll do like a, every once in a while we'll check into how I feel like I'm developing, but I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, yeah. My So my overall deck added a couple more changes to this one as well. Olaf, Pascal kept them, added Genie Ever Impressive and got rid of Flynn Rider. I felt like people have Flynn mainly because like for being a, a smaller character, like he's questing for two and he has his ability. But in all reality, I felt like the majority of the time, I just wasn't getting good use out of him. I, yeah, his two Two lore questing might be enticing to some, but in all reality, I had a lot of high questing characters as it is. I wanted more bodies. And Genie, instead of being like a 2-2, two, two, he was at least a 2-3. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a little bit bigger. So how I like to look at Flynn a lot of the times is that he is a two-cost card that gives you two lore and then makes your opponent discard the worst card in their hand, which isn't exactly what it is because yeah he could get up to four or six lore very occasionally that doesn't really happen that often but i don't think we would just play a card that was two ink cost you get two lore they discard a card it's not very efficient it doesn't affect the board and that's honestly how flynn seems like it plays out to me 90 mm-hmm. percent of the time like i said of course it can be better than that because it could get up the four lore, but that doesn't seem to happen. It just you quest with it, and then he gets taken out, and then you your opponent's still ahead on board, and you just feel like you're down in the exchange. Yeah, I kept in my Meg Cheshire Cat, added Baby Elsa, friends on the other side, Jasper, Maleficent Sorceress, Rafiki, Jafar, Wicked Sorcerer, Tinkerbell, Most Helpful, Cusco, Mad Hatter, Genie. John Silver, Ursula, Elsa. Controversial. Most Emerald Amethyst decks have been playing Mother Knows Best, and I hate that card. But if you look at the decks that are playing it, the majority of the time they aren't playing all four genies. So... Or Ursula's or Elsa's. Right. I just... I just really don't like this card. I feel like right now, so if I'm playing four genies that already bounce, I don't want to play any more things that bounce because there are a couple of prominent threats that I'm seeing that have abilities where when they enter the battlefield, they do something negative towards me. So why would I, I understand to disrupt their pace, but I'm not going to want to bounce eight times or, I mean, if I were to do four and four. I do want Genie because he quests, he's evasive, and also has the ability to attack if need be. Plus, even though you could sing Mother Knows Best for free, at the end of the day, I feel like things that I would want to bounce would be later in the game anyway when I have my Genie. So, I don't know. I just, I decided to ditch, I decided to just ditch them. I just, and honestly, no regrets. 
I feel like previously when I had Mother Knows Best in my deck, and there are times in which I didn't even have all four. I think I even cut down to three and then to two. And then it got to the point where it's like, I don't even want one. But the majority of the time when I was playing Mother Knows Best and I had it in my hand, I just didn't want to play that card. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it in that moment. And it just felt like wasted space to me, especially because it was also uninkable as well. So yeah, no regrets. And in all honesty, I think it allowed me to be able to add other inkable cards because I'm not going to lie, like there were quite a few matches where I had multiple threats in my hand. Like if I'm looking at, okay, my threats, Cusco, Genie, Elsa, Ursula, I would have multiple of those in my hand at the same time to where like I was feeling pretty good about my hand. So yeah, I don't know, like it, and there were not very few times in which I like wasn't able to play those cards when it came to that turn. Like I just had a really good curve. So yeah, no regrets, honestly. Like I know that that's probably controversial because a lot of people do play Mother Knows Best, but not me. <laughs> I'm a rebel. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. You got to play, uh, if it doesn't fit your game plan or your, your play style, then I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We kind of thought about that a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. We can, we can be honest with them. Uh, I... You pushed for it. I think it's a really good card. I would probably play it, but there were definitely times where we were playing on Pixelborn and you would have two Mother Knows Best in your hand playing against the Blue Hades. Mm -hmm. Or you'd have two Mother Knows Best in your hand and your opponent just has to be prepared and it's just like... Well, I would much rather one of these be any character to follow mm -hmm. follow that up with. Or like with the like with Aladdin or Tink, like any of those that honestly do negative things to me. Like why would I want if you add it up with the genies, why would I want to bounce eight times? Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't. So yeah. Oh well. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay, like I said. So yeah, that tournament Dana did better than me. She plays higher than me. Well, I was really proud of her. Let's not count the draw. I was one and two. We're counting the draw. In all reality. <laughs> We're counting the draw. Two and two. Two and two. <laughs> it, it goes onto your record as a as a win. So we're counting it. So now do you want to talk about the PPG Miami TCG Con tournament? Yeah. Let's do that. All right. So I kind of just want to go over the, the most popular decks, the top eight decks, just all the key things from this tournament. So the total breakdown... As far as the metagame goes, we had 67 Amber Steel decks of various kinds. We had 66 Ruby Amethyst decks. I'm guessing those are all control decks, just built differently. Um, 24 Emerald Amethyst. Hey, represent. Hey, hey, hey. Third. Third popular. 11 Amber Sapphire. 11 Amber Ruby. 9 Emerald Steel. 9 Amethyst Sapphire and 39 others. 237 participants in this tournament. That's a huge event. That is a very big event, especially for one in the the current stage of Lorcana's life cycle. Right, like one set. I mean, that's such a good turnout for one set. Yeah, super cool. So some of the things that I noticed is that the metagame was almost 60% of two different decks. 
mm-hmm. Amber Steel and Ruby Amethyst. Those are the the two decks that I would have guessed were the two best and most popular. For sure. I wasn't sure if we would see that high of a percentage of Ruby Amethyst, mainly because the mirror matches go pretty long and it's kind of exhausting to play three mirror matches in a day that go to time. Right. Um, so I'm kind of surprised that one was as high. But yeah, the, the Amber Steel deck showed up and showed out. For this tournament, what stands out the most to you? Um, I think what stood out the most to me is that although Ruby Amethyst and Amber Steel were pretty equal in the presence and amount of decks, it seemed as though Amber Steel performed better because... I mean, even looking at the bracket in the semifinals and even the quarterfinals, there's just more of a presence of it. So in the quarterfinals, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five of the eight were Amber Steel. And then you had two Ruby Amethyst and then one Steel Emerald, which I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of toying with that idea for our next tournament. I think I'm I think I might take out Amethyst and replace it with Steel because I feel like I really wanted some sort of threat. I I wanted some sort of damage threat. I had Questing Threat with all of my Emerald characters. And sadly, I know that I would lose Elsa and Ursula if I were to switch, but I think... I think it wouldn't be too bad of a of a switch if I went to steel, but we can talk about that later, I guess. Gaining Tinkerbell is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and having the ability to do grab your swords and smash. Like let's Absolutely. be real, that that's pretty good. But yeah, I think I think they're although they were equal in their presence, it's pretty clear which one might be a little bit stronger just because of how well Amber Steel performed in opposition to Ruby Amethyst. I think it's really cool that a woman placed top four. Hell yeah. The only Ruby Amethyst one, which is super cool. So nice job, Renee. But yeah, that's that's kind of what stood out the most to me. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, these lists aren't all exactly the same by any means, but it seems pretty clear that this is probably the best deck in the format. Having five in the top eight of a tournament, that is huge. Especially as big of a tournament as it was absolutely and the deck that people thought might be the best only i mean it's crazy to say that oh a deck is probably the second best because it only put two in the top eight and that's probably true for like magic but this is a relatively new game and it wasn't even close to the best performing deck in this tournament five in the top eight is just is just really impressive for overwhelming for this deck yeah absolutely both finals three of the top four five of the top eight is just crazy statistics honestly it looks like for the most part they are all very similar so i'm not going to go over the deck list too much they have some slight variations for example one of the decks that didn't get top four had lilo making a wish whereas the three that did top four did not so maybe that's one of the distinguishing factors of which version of the deck's better it's the ones that place top four are more resilient to like tinkerbell but they're probably worse against the ruby amethyst decks because they don't have as quick of a a clock let's say Mm -hmm. besides that the two ruby amethyst decks they look very similar as well of course there's going to be some slight variations but nothing yeah i think 
Um, it looks like Renee, who plays top four, wasn't playing BLT, but the other one was. I think that's like the main thing that sticks out to me. Yeah, that that's a very polarizing card because it is good at ending the game quickly, but at the same time, it just doesn't do anything when it comes into play. So a lot of the times the play pattern is you play your brave little Taylor and then they Maleficent or Hades it or Dragonfire it. And you just kind of didn't really get any tempo or value off of it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you play Elsa or Ursula, then you are gaining an advantage the turn you play those usually. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the the rub with BLT there. Yeah, the the last deck that made top eight, the Emerald Steel deck. This one looks pretty sweet, honestly. It is playing big bodyguard Mickey. Yeah. What do you think of that one? Honestly, it kind of surprises me, but I see I see it here. I think when you and I had done our set review of Steel, we weren't big fans of the Musketeer. We just felt like that type of, like the Musketeer cards just weren't strong in general. Mm -hmm. So it surprised me, but the more I look at it, the more I can see it and the more I'm kind of liking it. Yeah, the one thing that this Mickey Mouse does very well is it protects your Flynn Riders, your Swordsman Aladdin, and your Hans super well. And that's also why Hercules is in this deck as well, it looks like, just to protect your high questing characters. It's really hard to get through that seven toughness mm -hmm. or willpower. It's really hard to get through that seven willpower. Big booty Mickey. Hell yeah. I mean, Maui doesn't even take it out. And that's one of the most popular cards in the format. Yeah, so, you always talk about the Maui test yeah. for whether a card is like really good or not is mm -hmm. do they survive Maui? Do but... they survive Maui? And this one does. This is a six cost character that does. So that's something that I am always looking for. Mm -hmm. It kind of flew under the radar a little bit, but it looks like Roger figured it out a little bit. Yeah. That's very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. I'm very intrigued by it. I think, so we have another tournament that we are thinking about going to in a couple weeks. And I think I, I think I might try something similar to that out. Yeah, I know you're definitely going to stick with Emerald. Yeah, I think that's the primary ink that I gravitate towards the most. Mm -hmm. So definitely sticking with Emerald. I think I'm going to be an Emerald girl through and through. Gosh, I hope like, <laughs> I hope it ages well like five years from now. But <laughs> um, definitely going to be an Emerald girl. It's just a matter of what color speaks to me to supplement it with. That's right, that's right. Just like I'll probably be a, a ruby guy through and through. Can't help it. You're I love so my classically Ruby. I know. I love my <laughs> I love my pongos and my goofies. I can't help like, it. Gosh, you're such a Ruby guy. <laughs> it's gonna be like taboo or something. <laughs> but yeah, so that turn was really interesting. The coverage was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, it was good. Kind of what I expect to see going forward is more. <laughs> steel amber song decks they just seem incredibly powerful very consistent it's after looking at the deck lists it's really not super surprising to me that it looks to be the best deck in the format if we could find a way to counter that that could probably be a good way to take down that tournament we're gonna go to honestly <laughs> I, I don't know we'll see yeah for right now it's going to be like that 
I'll be interested to see how it changes once set two comes out because I think there are two big tournaments that are going to occur in December after set two releases. So we'll have to come back after that and compare the two percentages to see if there's any stark differences and yeah. what decks were most dominant or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, in the current format, I don't know how much is going to change unless someone figures out a good counter to Amber, Steel Song, and Ruby Amethyst Control. But hopefully next set brings a lot of changes. If not, something probably went terribly wrong. Yeah. I'm rooting for Emerald. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I have em a lot Emerald's look, getting some sweet cards. I have a lot to look forward to. I feel like they just spoiled all the good Emerald cards early, and then you're going to be disappointed when the rest of the set comes out because they already gave you all the good Emerald cards. At least all the exciting I, ones. I hope not. I mean, at this point, <laughs> we still have a long way to go, so yeah. don't squash my dreams this early. <laughs> but... Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it, seeing how it changes. Hopefully, I hope other colors can see their time being dominant. For sure. I, I hope we see an emergence. Yeah, let's go Sapphire. Team Sapphire. I know you in that item deck, huh? Uh, I can't help it. Heck, I, I'm a green player in Magic, so I like ramping. Uh, I'm also an artifact player in Magic, which uh, the two don't really coincide very well in Magic, but... I'm also an artifact player the magic, theme. so I like the I like the items in Orkana as well. It's very thematic to what you like to do in magic, so I get it. Mm -hmm. yeah, it does carry over. All right, so you already alluded to the deck that you might want to bring for the next tournament. Yeah, I'm sorry I was so rude. I didn't ask oh, no, you're to, fine. what are you going to bring, Dalton? <laughs> I haven't decided yet. It will be some combination of the three inks of Amethyst, Amber, and Ruby. I think they're the three most versatile, so I'm going to figure something out with those. I just have no idea what yet. Well, luckily we still have time. We still have a couple weeks, but... We don't have time. We have vacation. I know. We're going to Disney in like a week. So, and then right when we get back from Disney, that following weekend is the tournament. So, we'll have some, we'll have some downtime at the airport. But be grinding Pixelborn warm. We're not bringing that. <laughs> <laughs> While we're at Disney, <laughs> we're at Disney to go to Disney. Yeah, what's what's more Disney than playing a Disney card game at Disney? <laughs> when where the hotel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're one Bell's of those. Castle. You're one of those people that go places but never leave the hotel. <laughs> for sure, though. No, I'm just kidding. Um. Yeah. I I'm excited for the. The future one that we have to look forward to i'm sure you're gonna figure it out i feel like you always you always panic and doubt your decision but in all reality whatever you choose doesn't do bad so you just gotta well i didn't perform well last weekend so Shh. <laughs> okay you were unsure about the first one even because yeah. you you were unconventionally not doing all four be prepared and you were you were doing the Ruby Amethyst, but like you said, not in a way that most people would play it. So you were kind of stretching it a little bit, stretching its boundaries or limitations. So you were unsure about that a little bit, mm -hmm. but it performed really well. You were second seed. 
it did perform pretty well. So you it just did. have to remain confident. Yeah, they definitely performed better than the player in that, that tournament. All right, so we do have a couple listener questions that mm -hmm. we're going to get to. The first one, what was something you prepared for? And this is coming from our good friend on X, Lorcana Goons. Nice. What was something you prepared for and something you did not prepare for? Yeah, shout out to In these, these two tournaments. Something I didn't prepare for was a better way to keep track of both mine and my opponent's lore. I know that when you and I play casually, I either use the app on my phone or a D20. And so it's pretty laid back like that. I know that when you go to magic tournaments, you always use like a notebook and then you keep track of both of your totals, life count, whatever it's, I don't know. See, that's, oh, yeah. how, that's how disconnected I am. <laughs> life um, totals, yes. <laughs> but so for the first tournament, I just thought, okay, I'll just use the app on my phone, put it into player mode, and then just keep track of them and mine. I felt like there were like glitches with the app where I would tap a certain amount of times, but it doesn't count all of them right away. And I know that that sounds like an excuse, but I, with the girl that I talked to, she agreed that it does that sometimes too. So I didn't have even a backup notebook to use. And I just, I don't know, I, I wanted to have a better way to keep track of both the scores. And then for the next tournament, we both like brought like a notebook or like an electronic notebook or whatever. But I just felt like my first one, like I just, I don't know, I, I didn't, I didn't score keep as well as I probably should have been or the methods that I was using were unreliable. Sure. I get that. I get that. I used to always bring like a 20 sided spin down dice or two of them. And the problem with those is that if you accidentally bump it, then... If you don't know exactly what it is or where it was, then you just lose track. and you got to count on be... your opponent to be truthful. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, no, you were at 13 life, not 16. I'm like, I don't think so. But, um, yeah, so I, I just like writing it down every time. Yeah, it was so, much better so, for so a much second. Easier. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It was much there better for the second tournament. Um, as for me, something that I did or did not prepare for, I'm just going to go right to the games. I didn't expect, I should have expected in this last tournament, more Amber decks. I didn't expect to see an Amber Ruby Mirror first round. I hadn't played a lot of, against that on Pixelborn. I thought it was going to be a little more niche, so I I just haven't played against Rapunzel enough is what I what I think happened. But yeah, that match I drew. What I did prepare for, well, I I built the deck to beat the control mirrors, and I <laughs> I I still did not beat one of the control mirrors that I played against. So maybe I didn't prepare well enough. Yeah. Uh, I thought I was prepared for that. I I guess I wasn't. But that's why we're playing the games to learn, right? Right. And one more question of the week from Why Breezy, another one of our friends on X. For the listeners out there who have never been to big tournaments before, what would you say are some must-dos? Do you want me to take this one? Yeah, because you have more experience with it. I just go in just... I'm just there for the ride, you know? <laughs> yeah, so especially big tournaments like 1Ks or the tournament that we're going to in a couple weeks, that one's going to be even bigger. One of the most important things you can do is prepare the night before so make sure you have your deck list your deck all ready to go mm -hmm. make sure everything's packed and just so you don't have to think about it when you get up i didn't listen to my own advice this last tournament i was still trying to change my deck the morning of mm -hmm. i was panicking a little bit don't do that don't do that 
figure out your list uh, ahead of time just so you don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Another thing is you want to make sure you get good enough sleep. I know everyone envisions, you know, you, you don't get enough rest, you're not feeling well, and then you want to go Jordan flu game on people. What does that even mean? <laughs> Jordan flu game? No, yeah. Don't just be on the podcast. Sure. We can, we <laughs> Jordan can, flu game? We can cut it out uh, if we need to. Jordan flu game was when he had like a 102 degree fever in the playoffs and then just played one of the best games of his playoff career being mm-hmm. sick. So someone says Jordan flu game, you know, you're not feeling well, but you just kick butt anyway. We aren't Michael Jordan, most likely. <laughs> Unless you're Michael Jordan, we are not Michael Jordan. So we probably need all the rest that we can get. Another thing is just bring some snacks. You'll get hungry throughout the day, especially if you're playing a control deck. You're not going to have a lot of time to get food in between rounds. Make sure you bring some snacks just so you can have something to eat. Make sure you have enough water to stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. Take care of yourself a little bit. Don't don't go into this just not feeling well. Then you start getting a headache and you fatigue a little bit faster. Don't do that to yourself. Yeah. Also, just kind of keep in mind or be prepared for the fact that you might encounter different personalities. And so you might have people who are all business, almost maybe taking it slightly too serious. That's me. No, that's not you. No, it's not. It's not. (laughs) Where they take it almost too serious to where it's almost super rude. Yeah, it's almost, uh, it puts you off a little bit. Yeah, it puts you off. Like, they just come off condescending, and it's just not, like, of course everybody wants to do well, but at the same time, like, you don't you don't want to be rude, but... Um, we are playing a game. We are playing a game at the end of the day. I think we definitely saw that at our bigger tournament. I even played some people who made that comment where they played someone that wasn't making it pleasant for them and they even said man some of these people take it too seriously and it's just like it's just rude um and so yeah you're competing and yeah you want to win but at the same time and have have a like try to have a conversation with them like oh how how's your day so far like how have you been doing is this your first tournament are you close by like try to make a little bit of a small talk just to break that awkwardness and just be nice yeah it is okay to take the game seriously but you also need to have just general respect and <laughs> for, the, for the person sitting across See, from that you shouldn't be that shouldn't be something that we would have to say but you'd be surprised <laughs> you'd be surprised uh just just try to be an, a good and nice person sportsmanship you know sportsmanship. go back to the yeah just just be a reasonable person just yeah. It's really not that hard. It's free to be kind. Have yeah. some have some respect for the person sitting across from you. Treat them how you'd want to be treated. Yeah, because you never know. Like It might be their first time doing any sort of competition like how it was for me. I was so scared, so nervous, fumbling, just shaking. And that guy that I played first round, like, yeah, he kicked my butt, but he was, like, really nice about it. Um, he even... Like, he complimented me on something that I had done. He he probably could tell that it was my first time, or I don't know if I told him or not. I It's all blur, but mm-hmm. yeah, like, you never know who's across from you. It could be, could be their literal first competition ever. 
Yeah, there was someone that left in, in the tournament. They were very angry. Imagine this is your first tournament. He's upset, and you're playing against him first round. Mm-hmm. That would not come off very well to you, right? Right. Yeah, so it's be there for the game, be there for the people. Yeah. Try to build a good community. Yeah. Good questions, guys. Thank you so much for writing in. Yeah, Appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all. Yeah. Well, I think that does it for us. Sorry, I can I sign off, or do you want to sign off? Take it away. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening for today. I think for our upcoming episodes, we want to dive a little bit into more my favorite thing, which is talking about like the canon and maybe things that are hinted in the artwork, talk about some spoilers, and then we'll do a a little celebration of in honor of D100. We'll talk about some of our favorite memories. I'm going to put Dalton up to the test with how he ranks certain Disney movies because he tends to be a little bit more critical than me when it comes to the older ones. He's definitely more of a fan of some of the... The good movies. (laughs) The newer (laughs) ones. He's a little harsher on the old stuff. So Just the really old stuff. We're going to have some fun and have have him rank how good he finds a lot of the classics. But we'll have a fun episode with that one too. So um, until then... Try to catch us on Instagram or Twitter, X, whatever you call it nowadays. Um, if you're interested in seeing any of the deck lists that we had played with, we'll post it on our Lorcania page. And then we'll try to get some streaming in as well. Don't forget, we're still doing our giveaway of starter decks. And so once we hit 50 followers on Twitch, and if you want to be a contender to win one of those, go follow us on Twitch and then go into our giveaway channel on Discord and make sure you comment there to put in your entry. And then once we hit 50, we'll we'll draw a name and see who's the lucky person that gets a deck. Heck yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, so yeah, make sure you're following us to keep up on all of our news and we will talk to you guys next week. Have a great day, guys.